Oh, now that's definitely a drag car. And this is Fast Matters, the everything drag racing podcast brought to you by American Drag Car. This installment of Fast Matters is brought to you by American Flotech, Arizona Differential Specialists, Torco Racing Lubricants of Arizona, Roadrunner Converters, Micro Import Service Incorporated, Wallace Motorsports, Growler Racing, and by American Drag Car, where being fast matters. Well, thanks for checking out this episode of Fast Matters. Today, as promised, we have the interview with local Top Fuel favorite Jim Maroney's father, Jack Maroney, driver of the Blind Faith Funny Car and Fuel Altereds from the 70s and 80s era. So without wasting any more time, let's get to it. All right, cool. What a treat this is to me. Getting to meet you. I met you a couple of years ago, I think, maybe. Yeah, um, we've uh, we've run into each other more than once. <laughs> so, I'm Jeff Sopranic, and I'm here at the Arizona Nationals, and I got to talk to Jack Maroney, who, um, though I didn't know it at the time, he was one of the guys I used to watch when I was a kid, running the Top Fuel Funny Car, the Blind Faith Funny Car here in the Arizona. Yeah. We uh, did that for quite a while. We started out with uh, a little injected small block uh, in a altered that we built with a Vega body on it and then later put a tub on it we uh, did a lot of fuel altered racing at the time uh, with the injected setup with the injected setup uh, actually uh, we were this is in the AHRA days oh uh, yeah that's right that's right uh, there was Tucson a, and Beeline were both Beeline the HRA both. and at that time uh AHRA had a class called B Fuel Altered. Okay. And it was a, a cubic inch uh, motor type class. Yeah. And uh, we had a D stroke small block before the Pro Stalkers ever went that route. But we ran it on a full tilt nitro setup. And the compression was so tight that the uh, 60 over stamp in the top of the piston would actually show in the head ah, and the thing with RPM if you like in the pits when you're warming it uh, partner was Mike Day he'd sit out there and flip the throttle and, and it literally would sound like it backfired it would RPM so fast wow and on nitro you know yeah. and so that's what we ran and that one year back back then in, in HRA you couldn't you could only run a tenth faster than the national record when you were running on the weekends in comp eliminator or whatever okay and the only time you could set a national record was at a national event hmm. well we didn't really do much for traveling and so we only had a few opportunities to set it but in that year every time we would go to a national event we'd set the record and there was a fellow in texas and i never did find out who he was but every time he'd get a chance he would set it so in that year the record got set about four or five times so that we could get it to where on a weekend we could run the car with without having I mean I ran races where I was throwing out the chute at half track and leaving my foot on the throttle to kill the <laughs> the ET because we were running more than a tenth under the national record and so back then the way AHRA did it back then if I am correct you actually were your index was your record you were handicapped off your record yes absolutely and and but you were allowed a tenth faster, and you didn't. Ha you wouldn't break out. You had to dial in. You had to tell them you're going to do that, but you wouldn't break out if you ran a tenth quicker. But if you ran two tenths quicker, which at one point we could run a half a second quicker, uh, they just wouldn't let you do it. You you would lose because you broke out no matter what. Oh, I didn't know they had a breakout in the classes. Yes, they did. Okay. So, and and we graduated from that. I mean, we had a really good time. It was a car that Mike Day and I built uh, and there was a real satisfaction with starting with straight tubing laying on the floor and winding up with a car that you went almost 200 mile an hour in. Uh, we later put an all steel big block in that same car which had a, a blown big block which had a uh, torsion bar front end on it and boy was that a handful with the, all the weight of that steel big block and it was a handful to drive but we played with that for a while and then we finally got around to buying a new Ken's Cox chassis that was built for us 
and Let's, that was our first real funny car. Let me back up a little bit. So what years were, were you running that altered? Uh, and I am real fuzzy on dates. It, it was in 70... Well, the Ken Cox car, if I'm not mistaken, was a 73. So it would have been in the 70, 71, 72 oh, time oh, frame. Oh, okay, cool. And, and that would be true, too, because I had a, a brand-new 1970 Chevy pickup that we pulled it with. So it had to be right there in that time frame. All right. Which, and that was which, out here by in Arizona? The way, yes. Okay. Which, by the way, Jim just spent about 10 times what the thing was worth to rebuild it. And it's on the street. I've There's seen pictures very of that, nice, I think. 1970 Chevy pickup. It's gorgeous, yeah. So yes, that's cool. We, uh, I'm a native Arizona. My wife is also. Our kids all was born in Arizona, grew up in Arizona. We, we grew up in South Phoenix. Uh, my wife and I did. Uh, in married life, we spent 40 years down in Sierra Vista, in the southern part of the state, which is the civilian part of Fort Huachuca. Yeah. And uh, was in retail and construction. The wife was in medical field. And then we uh, retired and came back up here because our kids had all moved back up to the valley. So we've been back up here now for almost four years. Um, we moved out here in 73. And I can't remember how far back it goes, but uh, we started going to the track. I think we started, we, we went to Phoenix Dragway in 74 for the New Year's deal. And I know... Dad probably took me to the Nationals every year at Beeline. Right. And your car, to me, was a regular. That was something I was going to see out there. Hey, I wanted to throw some names at you, see if you could... Because, uh, tell you the truth, I didn't realize we had so many local Nitro cars back then. Oh, yeah, there but was a had, bunch of them. Right? Was there? Was it Al Ariaga had the Spanish Galleon? Yes, Al Ariaga had Spanish Galleon. I had uh, Joe Pierce, you know, had a string of funny cars. The last one was... Uh, the phoenix but they had the elephant hunter before that and you know what they burned it to the ground and so when they rebuilt the new cars the reason they called it the phoenix oh ha -ha. because of the phoenix okay. bird you know uh joe, now who was that joe pierce uh he did that drove the same it. joe that was, was the so owner that was ron fossil that drove ron it? fossil drove um there was a car called quarter pounder was that a local car uh, quarter Pounder was a California car. Okay. Uh, Sundance? We, Sundance was a local car. Uh, we had, uh, of course, Johnny O'Loper had uh, his Little funny Hoss. car that he toured with. Uh, Trip Shoemaker drove yeah. for him, mostly. Uh, trying to think who else all we had. Uh, oh. oh. Of course, the West both had cars both I was gonna yeah Johnny and Jimmy both had right. altered and then later put funny car bodies on stuff you know I got one of their hero cards I got I think it's must be Jim West's it was the wild wild west monster Correct. funny car yeah Johnny and he also always had a ran a jeep body his, that went on the same chassis yeah I ran that jeep body Did in you? Tucson one time and out of the corner of my eye the body started to lift and went out of the picture to the back because <laughs> it didn't get latched down somehow and about half track it vacated the chassis wow man the old school stuff this stuff well i tell this you this is tucson, like a treasure to me to talk to you tucson dragway was a lot of fun you know they would run on a saturday night uh and there was just a lot of people uh i was talking about the old days of the vega and running so quick with the small block in it uh, i was running uh Bill Gusick down there, he had a little front motor dragster, and everybody knows the Gusick Speed Shop and the boys. Bill was about my age, and uh, I it, during that period of time when I was throwing the shootout to keep running too fast, I was running Bill, and he I was in the left-hand lane, Bill was in the right, and people who knew Tucson Dragway, there was a dirt, uh, kind of a ditch area between the track and the return road. It, it went to an elevation, but it dipped first, and the light poles were in that dip, or just above it. And as, as I stopped, or was, had to shoot out, Bill went flying by me, then he was in my lane, then he was off in the dirt, <laughs> and then he wrapped it around telephone. Oh, pole. no. Well, I was all, had to shoot out, I was already stopped, so I went out through the roof, and I was the first one to him. And he was not conscious at the time. It, it uh, gave him a really bad concussion. 
Wow. But uh, it was, <laughs> you know, he and I still kid about that time because his, his brother was the first one to get there from the crew. He immediately ripped the top of the cowl off, fiberglass cowl off the top of the dragster body, tore it all to pieces. Paramedics come up. He had just bought himself a new mask because back in the days before full face helmets, we still wore masks. And the paramedics cut his mask off his face. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a hold of his leg. He had a 3,800-pound 3, just regular old clutch in the car. And I'm and his foot was stuck between the clutch pedal and the side of the chassis. Oh. And I was trying to get his leg out, push that 3,800-pound 3, clutch in with one hand, and pull his leg back to the other. And, of course, he's not with us, so he wasn't helping a bit. You right. Know? <laughs> So he finally, we got it all taken care of. We got him out of the car, and thank goodness today he's good. He was yeah. he was here Friday and come by to see us. But yeah, uh, yeah, t- the old Tucson days, are, a lot of stuff went on. That little small block car, fuel altered nationals, guys like Nanook and uh, the Mob and uh, uh, the uh, Yellow Submarine and all of these guys, you know, the, the West Boys, all the fuel alders. We qualified in the show with our small block. Really? Unblown. Wow. Now, we were the last qualifier, but we qualified ahead some of the blown cars. Yeah. And I had to run uh, Ed Moore, who... Isn't he the one from Alaska? He's... Ed Moore was the mob. Oh. Okay. Okay. It was... It was... Uh, was he local? No. Okay. California car. Oh, okay. But he was one of the top cars in the touring bunch. Yeah. Mac McCord was a bunch run back then and I went up to Ed and I said Ed that's just an injected small block I said don't make me look too bad and he looked me right in the face in the eye and he said are you going to get to the other end and I said well yeah I usually get to the other end he said I don't always make it and he turned around (laughs) (laughs) he was afraid he was going to get beat by that small block oh and uh, of course he set fast time against me but you know you you do what you can he gave you some hope Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then later, you know, we had a, an actual funny car that we ran match races with and did a little thing, few things with well, the HRA. So when did you do the, so was the Little Altered called Blind Faith also? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was your. We've run the Blind Faith. Actually, Mike Day had another partner by the name of Tom Stitz when I was running a little dragster. And he and Tom had to split up over financial situations. And I went into partner, my brother and I went into partnership with him. And that's when we built the Vega, which was the new car. And we used the drivetrain out of his old Fiat in the Vega that he and I built together. And then we partners on from there, clear into the Ken Cox car and all that. Um, I need to get a hold of Mike. I hear he's not doing too good. Really? But uh, he's still around, still around the racing stuff. So I'm a little bit, I'm kind of scratching. Is there a gym day also? Uh, there is a, there was a Warshaman Day out of California. No, okay. Uh, then I think I know Mike Day. Yeah, Did, you Didn't do. he used to have a shop up on uh, Grand Avenue? Yes, off just off Grand Avenue. Okay. Because yes. we used to work, yeah, we used to deal with him in our shop uh, when I worked in a machine shop. Yeah. And we'd go over there and I, I talked to him a couple of times. So I do know who that is. Yeah, that was my partner for a long time. And, wow. Uh, I knew he was a fuel guy when I yeah. used to talk to him back then. Um, and see, in those days, I was the driver. I, I helped fabricate and all that stuff, but I wasn't much on engines and all of that nonsense. Okay. I mean, he would, <laughs> this, is, this is in the old days, but we would backside a piston, not, but not so bad it would hurt it other than it would squeeze the ring lands. Yeah. So you'd pull a ring out and throw it away, and then you get out points file and you'd open up the ring land. Yeah. So, you could get, so that's the job I would get in the oh, engine building. Okay. And, Here, this piston's <laughs> tight. Fix it. You know. <laughs> so today Jim knows a whole lot more about what goes on. In fact, one of his frustrations with this rear engine thing, this is this is the first rear engine stuff he's ever driven because he drove he grew up around the Alders and the funny cars. And, yeah. And he's driven fuel alters, and he's driven nostalgia funny cars. In fact, he won a couple of races with uh, Jim Broom uh, 
last year in Jim Broom's nostalgia car, which was the Candies and Hughes car. Oh, okay. He, he was in the car at the March meet when the body went 100 and somewhat feet in the air because the blower blew up. Wow. And now they have an Omni body on it painted orange and, and it's called That's the Speed same Sport. car. Same car. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and But he won two races with it with that body on it. The Omni's cool, but I like the Candies car. Yeah, well, and, <laughs> and uh, Jim has bought the mold to that body and he plans on building a carbon fiber uh, CUDA out of the mold and, oh, okay. and build another Candies and Hughes car out of it so I think you'll see it I'm not sure how quick but I think you'll see it come out again it's, I think you just answered my question one of my questions was going to be how come he doesn't run a blind faith car for the nostalgia circuit well we actually it, have one sitting in the corner of the shop. Our yeah. fuel altered is still sitting there. Hasn't been together in five years, but we still have all the parts. We actually have a Pontiac body sitting out with a tarp over it that uh, it's got windows in it and tin in it. And the only thing that's never been done is the header relief on the side of the body has never been cut. Wow. So one of these days oh that would be so awesome <laughs> there may be another one. Oh, you know. oh there you hear it inside scoop right on yeah. well and and my heart goes back to that stuff and and jim loves the nostalgia stuff i mean yeah. he's got a little front motor dragster that the youngest daughter drives and it's got a heavy metal flake paint job on it I like love the it. old dales you know so that's where his heart's at but you gotta you gotta do this kind of stuff once in your life you know oh yeah right as i was growing up i used to say my dream was always to run a pro stock car that yeah. was that was where my desire was but i always had a want i was in you know big dreams what can you say i always said hey it would be really cool to be able to run a funny car for a season and run a top fuel car for a season to know what it's all about but right. well, it's it's different and and to tell you the truth it it scares the heck out of me when I look under that cowl and I see all this little eighth-inch plastic tubing and all these wires that control all of that money set behind it. Yeah, <laughs> see? Know, it just bothers the heck out of me. I made the comment to Johnny the other day about that, and he looked at me. He says, yeah, he says, if NHRA would take all the electronics away from us, I'd be a happy camper, you know. That is so cool to hear you, to hear that he says that, because I got to say, um, I think it was more enjoyable to watch in your day. It was a different time, and, and I really think that's why the nostalgia funny car thing, people really enjoy watching those. They put on a good show, yeah. you know. Uh, they have a lot better tires than we did, a lot better heads than we did. So they go faster. Yeah. The chassis are still basically the same. Yeah. They're still running two-speed, uh, for the most part, transmission. Um, so there's just a lot of similarities to what we used to do, but they're able to run faster. They have computer. They have data recorders on them, so they're smarter because they have. The, it's easier for the chassis to talk to the tuner. Mm -hmm. You know, it used yeah. to be. You had to be able to listen to it, and the driver had to be able to feel it and tell you something. Yeah. And you kind of agreed. Well, now they've got a third box in there that's talking to them and saying, you're right or you're wrong. Yeah. And so, yeah, they run faster, but they still put on a great show. But it's still all driver. It's There's, all, um, still all driver. Because, you know, this was years ago. I would say maybe 2008, I think. I had come to the Nationals for the first time in a number of years, and I was very disappointed in the way the cars were acting and what was going on. And what I mean by it was more exciting to watch was in your day, when a guy got loose, smoked the tires, you he lifted it. and got back yeah, in it. You drove it. Now you really hardly can't do that. And with the, the stuff on these uh, com, uh, c computer controls. Once they lift, it, it, it kind of resets yeah, the whole system, right? Now that one sounded like somebody was driving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and luckily there was no big boom at the end of it. <laughs> so it's it's a different sport today than it used to be. Yeah. Uh, and and I hate to say it, but it's driven by cubic money. Oh uh, yeah. More hey, so than ever. You know what? You just opened the door for me. 
so first of all, you mentioned the, the metal flake front engine car. And this is how we met, actually. Uh, Jim came and ran my drag car program maybe three years ago, yeah, I think, I with that car. a few years ago. And um, I was very curious. I didn't know what he thought of it at the time. But now Ashley has, Haley has run it a couple of times. Right. And I'd, I'm really interested in, you understand the program and how it works? What, to tell you the truth, the time I was with him there, it, it seemed quite confusing because because of the allowance, uh -huh. I'll call it. Yeah. I, I don't know what you call it, but it, there's an allowance on your dial-in. Uh, we lost one night to a little fellow with a Vega that runs with you all the time. Can't remember who it was, a purple Vega? Um, I think I know what you're talking about. It's not a, uh, was it maybe a Mustang? I can't remember. No, it was Is a it Vega. the one that ran under index? Yes. When Haley every went dead on? pass. Yes, and, but he ran under index every pass. He knew exactly what he could run, so he took advantage of the program. So he would dial in knowing he was going to run under every time. You know, it, it just, it was just different. Why not put your actual dial-in on it that you can run and live with it he was he was taking advantage of the system i can't blame him for it well he just had it i don't believe he was um i think it might have appeared that way to you what we do there is no they don't get a dial-in so to speak so you know how it works we run you in qualifying and then whatever you run right. we round it to the closest 500s and that becomes your index right and we give you a 300 of a second Leeway. under cushion right and um i do remember the run with haley was she went nine flat on, on a nine yeah. flat right and it was like wow but he got there first he ran under index right and he took a penalty i'm pretty sure i think he was he wasn't a lot under he was but, maybe five or so but he took a penalty but she was late on the tree yes and that's that's an experience on her part and it's also, <laughs> that dragster has a foot break in it. Yes. And I'm ready. And we were on a pro tree that night. Well, the pro tree isn't the problem with her. The way she's in the car, I don't think anybody could cut a real good light with their foot even close to the brake pedal because you cannot, if you think about it in your head, a hand brake, most drag cars that have any horsepower at all, when you hit the throttle, it'll take the brake handle out of your hand. Okay. A foot brake won't do that. Okay. Your leg's too strong. There's okay. not the same pedal pressure coming back on this short brake pedal. And she don't have the leg room to move it very fast, right? right? And so, and, and it has... <laughs> My wife's giving me the wrap-up sign. Wrap it up sign, okay. Uh, it is something that we need to work on with her to make her a better driver. Because the night you're talking about, I think, was, I don't know, one of her first maybe five passes that she'd made in yeah, the car. Yeah, she had not had many so, passes. Right? And we and with this operation that's going on, we've had not had a lot of chance to get her out right. either. We also have a, a clone of my old Vega funny car that's an NE2 car that we need to get out and play with more with one of her brothers in it so ah, okay that'll be a blower car no it's got an injected big block it's oh, really? got a tunnel ram and a hat on it so oh can so we get you guys like to run blower, our drag car program with that, that would, i think if you ran the program i think if you ran it and you got it figured out you, you'd understand that it's really cool what i was trying to get at was it's the first one there wins aspect that's what i'm yes. going for yes and um i get so fed up with the games that are played in breakout racing I think a lot of it, granted, it's not dangerous like somebody's getting killed every day, but to me it's a little bit dangerous. It, oh, it, with it, the brakes at the top end and yeah. all. Yeah. I, uh, all I'm saying is that that night. Oh. That one was a boom at the end. That night not only was Haley learning and late, the fellow we raced, I felt, knew exactly what he was doing and was taking advantage of that breakout rule you know they're the under hmm. rule so and it's it's just a matter of learning the program and and learning how to work with it well we don't 
we don't allow that. That's I'm pretty confident that he wasn't playing a game. After every race, I go back and I do data on all of the Everybody. cars. Everybody, yeah. And I look for sandbaggers. I have actually created a program that creates a graph, and uh, I will run every pass that the racer makes. And the really cool part about it is, is even when a car picks up naturally, the graph will lay on top of itself. Right. But if a driver has done something in between qualifying and eliminations or in between one round to the another to improve horsepower, the graph will not lay on top of itself. And it's really cool because then I can send them a letter and a warning. And sometimes if it's bad, they go on a probationary status where they actually lose some of that cushion. Right. But I know it on one side of the, the... track it looks one way yeah. but in the background well, there is something else going on i don't on. think it's a bad programmer at all and you've got you know you've got a lot of people coming out and running with you you've you've got more door cars running with you than you do uh dragsters or alters or that yeah. kind of stuff and so it would be good to see a, a better mix come out yes and run uh and, you know there's some uh ne2 cars and around town that uh you know haven't figured out the program but they need to come out and race i mean why do we have these toys if we're not going to use them that's right so we need to get them out and play with it our situation is is this particular top fuel operation is taking so much time and money that the play cars are kind of just sitting in the trailer yeah but uh we need to get them out and have fun with them yeah you do i'd love to have you guys out there well i think we better yeah, wrap Give it you up. A break. I've Maybe I'll get to talk to you again because we didn't really touch on the, the the funny car, the fuel car from the yeah. what well, late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, and uh, we had a good time. You know, I look back at different things. Uh, my last fuel altered race was in Las Vegas, and that was uh, Mike Elzebeck's first fuel altered race. A lot of people know Mike Elzebeck with his. Uh, Arizona Thunder fuel altered. He's been around. He people think of him an old timer now, but he was the young guy on my last fuel altered pass. Wow! You know, so we've uh, we've been around a while and done it. And it's a disease. You know, it's uh-huh. very addictive. That one didn't sound good at the end either. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, it's good to talk to you, and I've talked your ear off. But uh, I love it. It's. <laughs> I could talk to you all day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your time, Jack. All Good righty. to meet you, man. You too. Good to see you. We'll talk to you again. That was a good interview with Jack. Jack Maroney, father of top fuel racer Jim Maroney and a long, long time Arizona racer. I kind of wished I'd been around to hear that interview, but I was off going to the tower or something like that. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. Jack has been racing a long time and uh, a lot of Arizona history there. I'm glad we, we got had the chance to talk to him. And, you know, while we're at it, Jeff, I think we should tell our listeners that if they know somebody, a drag racing personality, an engine builder, whatever, or a racer that they would like to have us talk to, we'll let us know. Uh, Jeff will give you an email address here in a minute, and, he, and, you know, we'll be happy to try and track them down. No promises, you know, because some people are definitely mic shy. Just ask Doug Coletta. <laughs> yeah, right. But, well, I uh, think Jack was at first because he told you no. But yeah. once he got rolling, boy, I, he was rolling. I asked Jack, I said, hey, uh, Jeff would like to do a podcast. Well, what do you want to talk with me for? <laughs> you know, and I said, Jack, there's a lot we can talk to you about. And once he got going, he enjoyed it. Yeah, so, he did. So anyway, yeah, and that's I w- good. And I wasn't even done. I, I swear he did. We only scratched the surface with him. I would oh, love yeah. to talk to him again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If he spent 10 minutes on each car he'd driven over the years, and he was primarily the driver he didn't work on the cars that much he was primarily a driver in the early days especially but if if we did 10 minutes on each of his cars we you would have been there for two hours at least because he drove a lot of cars fuel alters you name it dragsters like i mentioned he seemed to be a fuel altered guy primarily i only knew him from the funny car because that's what i used to see the most of yeah uh, they're definitely a fuel altered. altered family Gotcha. yes they put the funny car body on the fuel altered for certain events because it gives you a chance to race some more. And, yeah. of course, with a funny car, you get better downforce. So uh, it tends to grip the ground a little bit better. But then <laughs> nobody who drive, who likes driving a fuel altered is too worried about gripping the ground because half the fun is going from guardrail <laughs> to guardrail, as right. we used to say, you know. So I, want, I just thought of something. I wonder if fuel altered drivers actually prefer the fuel altered over the funny car. I think they probably do for a couple reasons. It's more exciting. 
and the visibility is much better. Uh, I've heard that. Much yeah. better. It's why why mm-hmm. is the topless Corvette the the car of choice in supergas anymore? Yes, because right. of the unlimited visibility. Yeah. That's the main, and it's a very slippery car, but it's it's mostly the visibility, and. Uh, I've seen some funny, I know of some funny cars that have been very, very difficult for the drivers to, to see out of. They got such low roofs and, and you look at those videos, in-car videos sometimes on, on the big show NHRA and you go, wow, how does he see the tree, you know? Yeah. And uh, of course, maybe one of those things you don't want to know where you're going. I don't know. But I got to say, yeah, I guess as a drive from a driver's standpoint, I can see where a fuel altered would be more fun. I prefer the funny car, but as you said, the in-car cameras with the funny cars, you're not going to see your opponent unless he's right there. Six cars out. No, I mean, if he's right there, you still don't see him. I don't think you see him unless he's six cars out on you and then it's too late. Well, uh, the with other the fuel thing altered, is though, you see him out of your peripheral. The, yeah. And the, the funny cars are one other thing too. Uh, Tommy Johnson at the, the, the Firebird National. Uh, in the in the final, uh, he mentioned that I heard him, and they'll hear the other. If they can mm-hmm. hear the other guy, he is right there. Yeah. And if they want to sn- sneak a quick look over, they may see the front of the car. Mm. But I don't think, I don't think too many fuel funny car drivers spend too much time looking out their windows to see where the other guy is. Unlike super gas yeah, or super I was just going to say, don't stuff. get me started on yeah, that. Yeah, don't get me started either. <laughs> That's why I like drag car, Jeff. All right. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was fun. Okay. Um, so you heard me. I asked Jack what, what he thought of drag car because, uh, well, first Jim Maroney ran drag car that one race. Yep. And then he put Haley in the car, and she's run with us a number of times. Right. Haley is his youngest daughter. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and she really likes running it, too. Oh, does she? Yeah, well, probably because she beat me once. Well, in drag car, she hasn't had the luck yet, but she's... Um, one thing with what Jack and I talked about was because she's been running on a pro tree, and she's not she's not real she's, she's not into the pro tree yet. right yeah um she's had trouble with the tree period that car as i understand is it's kind of it's kind of tough at least she's not using a trans brake no so that's one of the issues I she think. doesn't like using the trans brake okay. so that makes a makes a difference but he had um mentioned something to me <clears throat> actually caught me off guard i got to be honest with you where he didn't he didn't feel comfortable with the program to a certain degree because, uh, as he stated, the guy that they had raced at this one race in particular, he felt was playing our system in oh. that he was running under-indexed, pass after pass, just enough, and uh, skirting. And I, I told Jack I was confident that wasn't going on, but I never want to say something that I'm not actually sure about. So we of course, went back. Yeah. And uh, I dug up the <clears throat> the data from that race, and you know, Jack was right um, to a little to a degree. So, um, what do I got the numbers here? Uh, Haley qualified with a nine oh eight at one forty eight and a nine flat with a three at one forty nine, which put her on a nine flat index. Her E one opponent, who is the subject of the issue here. Qualified with a 975 at 139 and a 971 at 144. Uh, that put him on a 970 index. <clears throat> pretty pretty close in relationship to you know how close Haley had been to her runs. So in that respect, they were pretty equal there. Yeah, and I believe that was probably uh, in the heat. That was definitely a night race. So mm-hmm. first round of uh, qualifying was in the daytime, which explains why the cars were considerably faster in a... At night. Q2. Yeah. So anyways, in E1, she gave up over four hundredths of a second at the tree. So he had her on the tree pretty good. And then he ran 05 under with a 965 at 140 over her dead on. Nine wow. flat with a zero at 149. Really? And I mean, that was like bittersweet. I was so proud to see her do that. But then I felt bad because the wind light was in the other lane. Yeah. Um. But the thing to remember uh, is that racers are given an allowance of three hundredths under. So in his case, a 967 still would have been great. You know, there, you can't really look at that as anything bad. But going 965, that's what put him on a penalty. And it was even later in the evening. It, it was, was cooler. Right. So it's going to tend to run. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, Jack understood this part because what I had said to him was that, you know, she did, she was laid on the tree and he said, yes, that's true. And my point in that is that, you know, her opponent could have run a 969 with an eight and still taken the win without taking a penalty. So it wasn't taking the penalty that got him the win. He didn't steal the win from her. Um, she didn't get robbed out of a win. She just lost. Yeah. Because he did run under index, it gave her the round points. Yeah. Which is one of our deals. Um, so so really, she came out ahead on that deal. Yeah, but I'll bet you in Haley's mind, yeah, points. I don't care about points. I just wanted the win light. She did <laughs> That's not. That's the way I would be. It's true, because I saw Jack, I mean Jim, at the next race, and I ran up to him, and I said to him, hey, man, you know, I just, I wanted to speak to him and say, I hope Haley's not too upset about that deal last week, and he let it be known that she wasn't really happy about it. (laughs) Bless her heart. Haley used to back me up in the old days. She was 14 backing me up. She's not even supposed to be on the track, you know. But uh, she's very competitive. Very, very competitive. Cool. And there's nothing wrong with that. She's quiet. A lot of winners. doesn't say much to me. A lot of winners are very, very, very competitive. That's So that's a good thing. Yeah. I'm I'm not competitive in that sense. I just want to have a good time. You know? I think we can see that with you. You're out yeah. there just having fun. Yeah, as long as I don't bounce off the wall or cross the guard, line, you know, the stripe, or go red, which I do. That's why I like the pro tree. Anyway, go on. So uh, what see. happened the next time? Well, what I wanted, uh, one point is if she would have had a better archery reaction time than his and still lost, then she might have been able to get the fair competition guarantee, which uh, that's kind of a deal where, if your opponent runs under index by a bigger margin than your total package, in other words, if you go nine flat on a nine flat. Which she did. With a, let's say with a 02 tree instead of what she had, that would be a 02 package. And then if he went 965, well then, that would have been a stolen round and she would get a free entry to come back at another race. So she would score the points and then come back for free to race again. Hmm. Um, that's one of our guarantees. You know, we just, I just never wanted to do the breakout thing, but we got to do something t- mm-hmm. to ensure that a racer knows he's not getting robbed, yeah. or she in this case. For the guy who beat her, and Jack's claimed that he felt that the guy was playing the system throughout the race by continually running just a little bit under index on each round, n- not quite true. He was... there. In our performance evaluation, there was something going on, but he wasn't doing it round after round. And then, and to be honest, Jeff, some guys will set their cars up to run a little bit under. They've yeah. got that buffer. That just want to make sure they have the best chance of getting the finish line first. It's all part of playing the game, and they're not really cheating. Well, it is in drag car. It is cheating. I mean, uh-huh. I make it known that we don't want that. That's not. That's not uh, an approved. Strategy. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll shut up. For that particular... No, <laughs> no, you don't have to. And no, and it's... You know, we've had racers that have run with us that they've thought that. One racer told me, well, I'm allowed to go this far under. And I said, no, you're not allowed to go that far under. That's just how far you can go before you get DQ'd. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's the black and white. Yeah. Um, let's say he qualified 971 at 143. Then he ran 965 at 140 against Haley. We can see that his mile per hour dropped a little bit. So was he lifting against her? Um, knowing the racer and what he's got in his car, I'm going to say no, he wasn't lifting on that pass, but it doesn't really matter. The fact is something changed on the car between Q2 and E1. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that p- put him on a 965, so that was a penalty. And now when you when you take a penalty in drag car, you lose your 300th cushion. So now anything under that 965 is going to hit him with another penalty. Okay. Um, some of our racers always forget that and they sort of get surprised. Yeah. Uh, in E2, he had a competition single because his opponent didn't show. So he made an easy pass. Okay, question. Yes. If you have a competition single, mm. which for those who don't, there's probably some people who don't know. There's buy runs, where it means there was no scheduled opponent, and there's a competition single, which is when your opponent breaks and can't make to the line. Yeah. On a buy run, all you have to do is go up and break the beams and get a green light. 
competition single, you must make it to the finish line under your own power. My question is, can he run it all the way out and go way under and not get a penalty on that? Or does, is, does the breakout, you know, the, the penalty thing still apply? Okay, let me back you up a little bit, and I want to clarify something for drag car, because drag car is a little different than NHRA. I treat, or we treat, competition singles and buy runs the same. Oh, so you got to make a run. No, you don't have to. We, oh. don't, we don't require a run, because let's say, let's be realistic. NHRA's original rule was you have to make a pass so everybody's car has the same number of runs on it. But the way, you know... If you're just driving it down the track, that really ain't going to do anything. Nothing for so the show. I don't see sure. it, but just a waste of time. So if a guy don't want to or a girl don't want to take their car down the track and see what it's going to do, they don't have to. Truthfully, I say they don't even have to. All they have to be is in the lanes and ready to run. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the tracks have an issue and they want to require the car to go into the beams. So, yeah. But on your second point, no, it's... There's no penalty on a single. Okay. So if you run under index, you that may be re-indexed. Okay, let's say you're on a 970, and you take your single and you run a 964. Okay. Okay? If that was going to be a penalty, if that was in a competition with another racer and that was a penalty, it would put you on a 960 index, and you would lose those 60 or 65? 60. Okay. Because that's a penalty. That would put you on a 960 index, and you would lose the points. Okay. okay. Keep this simple, Jeff. I'm trying. It's not. But we have to keep it fair, and this is how it stays fair. Now, it's a single, and you run 964 on a 970. It's not a penalty. It's just you found out what your car is going to do. But you will get re-indexed to a 965, just mm, okay. as if it was a qualifying pass. Okay. So we, we, we index you to what you can run. Okay. We don't want to give people cush, uh, you know, holding. The, the whole point in drag cars is to not have people holding. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. In E3, he won that round, and this probably was what Jack saw. He won that round running 963 with a 6 at 140.77. It was only 14 thousandths under his index of 965, but he still took a penalty because, as I said, he lost his cushion He'd after already, the first yeah, penalty. He lost his cushion, yeah. So that sent him down to a 960 index for the final round. Um, but the other guy was late, huh? Yeah, the other guy was late off the tree, and so it wasn't considered a stolen round, and that, that racer didn't get the, the fair competition guarantee. He left too much room to be beaten without having to go under index. Then in the final, our subject lost running a 967 with an 8 at 140. And I have to believe that that's all there was. That 963, yeah, that was probably all that car would do. He'd run three 140s in a row there. Yes. Yeah. And that's why I say I don't believe he was lifting. However, what I do think is... is I, as I said, I know what's on the car, and what I believe happened was he changed the car from E1, or I mean Q2, to E1. He changed the setting on the car. Jetting or timing or something. Well, in this case, uh, I don't want to say who the guy is. You know, well, we're don't. Not you don't to need to. Figures. What did he so do? I'm, okay. <clears throat> A lot of racers run what they call genies. Throt, what oh. do they call them? Yeah. Genies. They're... They're basically adjustable restrictor plates. Right. And uh, I'm thinking it had something to do along those lines. Which is legal. It's legal. I don't have a problem with it. What I've told a couple of I racers that have I had them, those but I, but I, I, is I've legal. told them you don't, you don't adjust those after qualifying. You don't adjust them to go faster. That's not what our program is about. We've had more than one racer do that. And you know what? They've not returned. But that's just tuning. Uh, it's tuning for an advantage that you're not supposed to have. We're getting down pretty fine nitty-gritty here. Well, as I said in our uh, opening podcast, uh -huh. there is a, a program that I have where I can see changes that take place in a vehicle. A car can pick up <clears throat> natural. Sure, and it can slow down natural too. 
But when it does this and we feed all of the data into our program, I call it a, a run analysis or, or, a, or a race evaluation, we plug in every round that that racer ran and it produces a graph. And believe it or not, cars can run a tenth, even up to 15 hundredths of a second different throughout the night. And if nothing has been changed on that car, the graph lines will lay on top of each other. Basically, mm. it's a signature. Mm -hmm. When a racer changes something to produce either, whether it be so, something as simple as a shift point, um, or they start doing something with Genie or changing timing, it will change the signature on the graph, and it becomes very, it's, it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. All right. What about a case where, and this has been known to happen, where the temperature suddenly drops a number of degrees. That's probably going to result in a change. It will No, that's the funny part about it. And don't ask me. I cannot explain it. Honestly, I can't. My car is a perfect example. My car has, has it does it all the time. It will sway as much as 15 hundredths of a second over the course of the night. And it seems to be more susceptible to weather than a lot of other racers, like Ron Shelley, for example. His car is weird man yeah. he will run within three hundredths of a second and the, the temperature contained change 20 degrees in 2,000 feet you know i don't know how it he does that doesn't change yeah <laughs> but mine will and i've thrown my car on there because again i want to be sure i'm treating everybody fair so i say okay my car i know i'm running it all out and i see what it's doing and i know other racers some of them who don't know me are probably thinking you know he's playing a game here and i've put it on and believe it or not the graph will lay on top of itself really nicely as mm. long as the car has not been fooled with. Hmm. And at one race, uh, remember when I was having the match races with Willie Ray? No. I was, we were doing that. We were using the drag car program where we were being indexed by our engine specs. The old setup. Okay. And uh, I was at a loss. He was, he, was, he, was, he, he was outperforming me big time. So like a Hail Mary, I threw, I don't know six or i think about six degrees timing into it just to see what would happen that's a bunch and she woke up oh she woke up and she so you weren't up. really right to begin with for she, some reason right and it picked up a tenth of a second and two miles per hour and i took that day's race data including that run and i laid it on the graph and it was phenomenal the separation between all night and that one particular run was v very real. noticeable oh yeah mm -hmm. and so that just gave me more confidence in the program that yes when these graph lines line up very little likelihood that a driver's playing a game mm -hmm. but when the the graph lines separate between runs for whatever reason there's something going on there that's until you have me run my car because my car is well no, none of my cars have ever been consistent you pedal at half track i do not <laughs> the only time i ever pedaled in racing was the time ron got loose and i passed him and i knew that I had beat him, so I ba I backed off the throttle. I didn't want to break out. That's and the as we said, that's that. not a problem. You know, it's kind of funny, kind of strange. I don't I don't want people. To, this is an all out thing, and what I mean is all out. I want you to qualify all out. Yeah. Oh we yeah. We want your car. We want to know what your car is capable of, and this is what you're going to get handicapped on, and this is how you're going to race. Right. Um, if you've got a guy covered by a tenth, whether he spun the tires or he snoozed or whatever reason certainly lift yeah i've had a couple of racers that have put themselves in trouble and taken penalties and then they came back and told me well you don't want me to lift i said no that's not true absolutely lift you know it's up to you to go nope. ahead and lift on that pass yeah, don't nope. take a penalty come back and dial down if you know the car is going to run faster because yeah. you'll have data you'll have your eighth mile in your thousand foot and that's what i did that night you did uh, yes and it was getting cold so i took another hit and then i raced mr ballard who is the modicum of consistency and uh and he beat me but it was a good race yeah i love flying by people in the dragster right at the finish line isn't I mean, it I, nice without even having to worry about going too fast or well trying to figure out if you have to lift or not i i, I don't have that option <laughs> in a car like mine that's 
supposedly the car has been 200 miles an hour. I mean, th- this car is a, is a runner. I'm not even leaning on it. The fuel just pours off the plugs. It's rich. It's whatever. But I like it that way because I'm not ready to go 200 miles an hour. Hmm. But when I fly down through there at 175 miles an hour, you catch up on people pretty quick. Even, yeah. even when they're going 140. Doesn't it know. feel good? Oh, it's neat. The I trouble is it. it isn't good enough because I'm still not getting there in time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still getting beat, but I'm having fun. I'm smiling as I go across the finish line saying, wow, that was cool. I'm with you, man. And it, that's how that's I feel. what it's supposed to be all the time. Yeah. Yeah. To me, I've likened bracket or breakout racing, let's call it, to street racing. You've always got that fear in the back of your head. Is somebody going to pull out from that street? Is oh there going to be a cop hiding behind that building? Am I going to go too fast and take a breakout? I just, I can't, yeah. I can't enjoy racing with that. Yeah. Um, well, let's get back to our guy, our guy here. Okay. So in the final, as I said, he lost. Was he playing the game? And I said, yes, because we put him on a, uh, on that particular graph that I'm talking about. And yes, his lines were not consistent. There was definitely a little bit of change in the vehicle between qualifying and round one of the uh, eliminations. Um, in this case, no racer was robbed of a round win. And in very few times has that ever been the case. I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, let's clarify that. I might have said that backwards. Seldom does a sandbagger, sorry if it sounds like a harsh term. That's but what it l- is. You know. Seldom does a sandbagger end up actually robbing a racer. In most cases, they end up giving them a little benefit, like in this case. You know, he gave Haley 300 Mm -hmm. round points, and he didn't have to. So that was kind of a bonus for her. Well, But regardless, you know, if a racer is getting robbed or not, it really doesn't matter. The point is, that's not how our program is supposed to work. So when racers perform in this manner where there's something going on and it, it appears that they might be trying to take advantage of the the under the index allowances for each round if they show up that there there's something going on they will get notified that this is not acceptable practice for for drag car competitions and then they're also told that any racer see we have a 15 hundredths of a second dq barrier and a lot of racers come in and they are under this idea that that's an allowance. And I have to stipulate, it's not an allowance. That's just a black and white point where we will DQ you without question. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can be DQ'd, be DQ'd prior to going that far under if we believe or, if, you know, if anything... If we see evidence that you're trying to play a game. Mm-hmm. And as I've told some racers, it can be either intentional or opportunist opportunistic yes if the car picks up let's be crazy let's say the car picks up a tenth of a second throughout the course of the race and you're going into the final you mean each round no throughout the entire night right and you're you're going into the final knowing that you can run a tenth of a second under your index because you just made a buy run and ran it out to a thousand foot and you're a tenth better at the thousand Mm mm-hmm no, we don't want you to come into the round holding that tenth of a second. We want you to come and dial your car down, as you did in that race. Um, and we've had racers do that. They know their car will pick up after qualifying, and they refuse to dial down. And I've let them know in the past that's not mm-hmm. approved. You know, it's not approved. I shouldn't say behavior. It's not an approved method in our program. If you want to do that stuff, that's what bracket racing is for. Right? Yep. Cool. Still, I think people ought to come out and try it because it is a lot of fun. I love it. Not I having to play why. the look-over game. I, I don't care for that. It gives me a thrill like no other, man. Like plus, you said. Plus, another thing I like about it, when I've all made it very clear, none of this throttle stuff crap. I just put my foot in the f- Well, I try to put my foot in the floor <laughs> for the whole run. And yeah, just run it out, you know. I'm pedaling it because I'm sideways or about to cross That's the center line. That's what I meant line. about yeah. pedaling a half track. Yeah. Not that you're playing a game, just Boy, that sometimes you're not stuck to the track. That, la- <laughs> that last race, that night race at Wild Horse, wow. I was, uh, I was going about 800 feet on every 660-foot pass. <laughs> and it, I mean, it was 
don't get me wrong. I'm not scared when that happens because I know how to do it. If it's, I, I know that if I get past a certain amount of out of shapeness, I better shut off. Uh huh. But I also know by the same token what I can steer out of. Right. And it's the ones I can steer out of that are the most fun. You know. That's true. I would say that has to be true. And that's kind of like what a fuel altered pilot likes to do. I guess you know. Yeah. Kind of the same thing. See, uh, I can't. I can't really. I can't really speak to that because I don't yeah, make enough horsepower to get in those situations. Yeah, yeah. Typically, when my cars get sideways, there's something wrong. Something wrong. Yeah, I, oil I sprayed out, or, I don't or you play. hit water, or and yeah, and yeah. If they because if they lift, I know there's something out there, and I ain't gonna yeah. drive through that. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's we're taping this on uh, February. Actually, no, March first, I guess. So we got drag car coming up this weekend. We do. And yeah, March 7th. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do, Jeff. Uh-huh. And then the following weekend, we'll be, that's at Wild Horse, and we'll be at uh, Tucson the following week. And looking forward to that, too. Or maybe, you, you maybe think you're going to make Tucson? If I can make Wild Horse. Right. And uh-huh. that all depends on getting the darn trailer empty, which, as you can see, we're pretty close. You surprised me. I really didn't. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think I was either. We just made an effort. But uh, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd like to come to both. Cool. I'll just have to play. But I really like racing at Tucson. I'm not going to say who it is. I don't want to put them on the spot. But earlier this year, I was notified that we should pick up a, another member and somebody who will give you some competition that I think you'll really enjoy racing with. Oh, cool. It's another front engine dragster. Cool. Yeah. I, I hope they show Bring up. Bring it on. Bring it right. <laughs> <laughs> just as long as I end up number one qualifier. No, I, just as long as I have fun, you know. And I, I have no idea who's going to go with me. Uh, Wild Horse is generally not a problem. It, my whole scene is kind of like the, the good old days of drag racing, where some of the, some of the big guys, that they'd tour around the country, they would show up at a drag strip themselves, or themselves and the wife. And Garlitz had this happen, him and his wife. And he would just enlist the help of somebody there in the pits. Yeah. And because uh, I, I found with a front engine dragster, I've never had a problem getting somebody to help me. A door car, eh, you know, with all respect, anybody can race a door car, you know. People don't see that as being as adventure, but a front engine dragster, whoa. You know, I got people walk up to me and ask if they can help. So well, it's, it's and, pretty neat. You know, I mean, you need help once you're strapped in. Oh, yeah. You know, you and those cars, I. You'll see the guys with the rear engine cars, actually the mid-engine cars, but we won't split hairs on that. Uh, many of those guys can, can belt themselves in. I've watched Larry Spitali just step over, climb in, belt him, and he drives off. I can't do that. <laughs> I need help because everything's so tight in the cockpit yeah. there. So, Tigger's Digger, the first car, it took us seven or eight minutes to get me belted in. It was so tight in there. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if I mentioned it to you. There was one day you had me sitting at Cackle car of yours. Uh-huh. Um, Hal, I never sat in a dragster, and you know what? I didn't like it. Really? Yeah. I, maybe it's because the car is small, but truthfully, I don't even think that was it. Because once I was in the car, you know, I really wasn't comfortable with the outside being so close to me. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Uh, that the Moody car is not really that comfortable to sit in. It's, it's a semi laydown car. Yeah. And if you're not used to that type of car, it does feel weird. Mm. Plus, there's a bolt that holds the seat in right in the middle of your back. And if you <laughs> yeah. if you don't have a real thick suit on, you know, like you're supposed to for that kind of car, you really feel it. If That's you just, not really what I noticed. What I what, you didn't like the fact that the bodywork was right there. Right. My arms were against the frame rails and. Yep. You know, anything that was going to hit the car was right there, and I just wasn't comfortable with that, which is, that's, uh, I mean, it kind of woke me up, because I never thought I would have an issue sitting in any kind of car. Some people just, you know, I always ask. then I I couldn't get out. Oh, yeah, that car, that car's (laughs) a bear. I had to put, most people don't know, I had to put grip tape on the floor of the, uh, of that, in front of the driver's position, because... My shoes would just slip and I couldn't get out. I actually had to put grip tape there to get out of the car. Yeah. So it's, that's cars. That car, in some respects, is harder to get out of than than my two front engine cars. Really? Okay. Yeah. Every car is different, you know. Well, I never sat in your black car, but that car looks roomy. It's very roomy. I might have it's, a different take on things if I sat in that one. I'm yeah, not sure. It, uh, 
it's very roomy. It's still a little challenging to get out of because you still have to hike. Your, you scoot your tushy up, and then you kind of pull yourself out of the top of it, and then you can bring your feet up and put them on the rear end housing. Mm. And then that's how you stand up. But uh, it, it's a, it's kind of like beer. It's an acquired taste. You have to <laughs> you, you kind of have to get into the flow. So gotcha. Anyway, we are uh, lingering along here. Yeah, we are. We're, we need must to, be too late. Yeah, it's definitely too late. Yeah, it's ten thirty, and we started this at six. No, it wasn't that. <laughs> wasn't that long. But we always have fun doing this, and we're looking forward to another episode. So this is Hal Sanguinetti and Jeff Safranic. And we'll see you next time. Ah, thanks for listening. Hey. Don't forget, if you see something or you you know of a racer you'd like to hear from. Yeah. Or a promoter or track track manager or whatever. A subject, sure. Let us know. Jeff, how can they get in touch with you? Oh, let's see. I guess we will have to go. Let's just go with info at usdragcar.com. That's almost too simple. Info, I-N-F-O, at usdragcar.com. That's where you write if you got got... And constructive criticism, suggestions, whatever. You know, we're... Yeah. We can handle it. Hate we're, mail? We're, no, no. Easy on the hate <laughs> mail. We're big boys. We can take it. All right.